Chapter Thirty One of the Sign of Silence by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Thirty One shows the truth teller. Speak, lady, urged the Peruvian. Speak, tell truth. Sinos know, he know. But my love was still obdurate. I prefer to face death, she whispered, than to reveal the bitter truth to you, dear. What could I do? The others heard her words, and Cain was full of triumph. I think, Miss Shan, that you should now tell whatever you know of this complicated affair. The truth will certainly have to be threshed out in a criminal court. But she made no answer, standing there swaying slightly, with her white face devoid of expression. "'Let Sinos tell you some things,' urged the narrow-eyed native. "'When that man killed my master, he fly to Lisbon. There Mrs. Petrie meet him, and go London. There he becomes Sir Digby Kemsley, and I see him often, often, because I crossed a stoker on same boat. He go to Luxembourg. I follow.' One day he see Grand Duke's daughter, pretty young lady, and somebody tell him she go to Egypt. She go, and he follow. I wait in Marseille. I sell my rugs, wait three, four weeks, and meet each steamer from Alexandria. At last he come with three ladies, and go to Louvre Pay, where I sell my rugs outside the café. I see he always with her, walking, driving, laughing. I want to tell her the truth, that the man is not my master, but his assassin. Ah, but no opportunity. They go to Paris. There she and the ladies go to Luxembourg, and he to London. I follow her, and stay in Luxembourg to sell my shawls, and to see her. She drive out of the palace every day. Once I try and speak to her, but police arrest me, and keep me prison two days. Ugh. After a week she with another lady go to Paris, then she alone go to Carlton Hotel in London. I watch there, and see Kane call on her. He no see me. Ah, no, I often watch him to his home in Harrington Gardens. Often see him with that woman Petrie, and once I saw Lewis with them. I have much patience till one day the young lady leave the hotel herself and walk along Pall Mall. I follow and stop her. She very afraid of dark man, but I tell her no be afraid of Sinos. Quick in few words, I tell her that her friend not my master Sir Digby, only the man who killed him, she dumbstruck tells me I am a liar, she will not believe me. I repeat what I said, and she declares I will have to prove what I say. I tell her I am ready, and she asks me to meet her at the same place and same time to-morrow. She greatly excited, and we part. Sinos laughs, for he has saved young lady, daughter of a king, from that man. "'What, you actually told her, Highness?' cried Fremy in surprise. "'I told her how my master had been killed by that man, with the snake.' and I warned her to avoid him. But she hesitated to believe Sinos, was the native's reply. Of course, she not know me. That was date 6 January. I remember it for that night. Poor young lady. She died. She killed. What? Edwards cried, staring at the speaker. She was killed, you say? Yes, Fremy interrupted. Marie Brock was the name assumed by Her Highness, the daughter of the Grand Duke. She loved freedom from all the trammels of court life, and, as I have told you, went about Europe with her maid as her companion, traveling in different names. Mademoiselle Marie Brock was one that it seems she used, only we did not discover this until after her death, and after His Highness had paid the quarter of a million francs to regain the concession he had granted, money which I believe the French government really supplied from their secret service fund. 
then it was the daughter of the grand duke who fell a victim in kane's flat i gasped in utter surprise at this latest revelation yes monsieur replied fremy you will recollect when you told us at the prefecture of the name of the victim how dumbfounded we were ah yes i recollect i said i remember how your chief point-blank refused to betray the confidence reposed in him and to all this the assassin of sir digby kemsley listened without a word save to point to my love and declare there stands the woman who killed marie brock arrest her frida stood rigid motionless as a statue yes she exclaimed at last with all her courage i-i will speak i-i'll tell you everything i will confess for i cannot bear this longer and yet dearest she cried turning her face to me and looking straight into my eyes i love you though i now know that after i have spoken after i have told the truth you will despise and hate me ah god alone knows how i have suffered how i have prayed for deliverance from this but it cannot be i have sinned i suppose and i must bear just punishment there was silence we all looked at her though the woman petrie was still lying in her chair unconscious and upon the assassin's lips was a grim smile you recollect frida said turning to me you remember the day when you introduced that man to me well from that hour i knew no peace he wrote to me asking me to meet him as he had something to tell me concerning my future well i foolishly met him one afternoon in rumpelmeyer's in st james's street when he told me that he had purchased a very important german patent for the manufacture of certain chemicals which would revolutionize prices and would bring upon your firm inevitable ruin as you pursued the old-fashioned methods but being your friend and respecting us both he had decided not to go further with the new process and though he had given a large sum of money for it he would in our mutual interest not allow it to be developed naturally in my innocence i thanked him and from that moment professing great friendliness towards you we became friends sometimes i met him at the house of friends but he always impressed upon me the necessity of keeping our acquaintance a secret and she paused placing her hand upon her heart as though to stay its throbbing one afternoon she resumed the day of the tragedy i received a telegram urging me to meet him without fail at five o'clock at rumpelmeyer's this i did when he imparted to me a secret that you my dear were in the habit of meeting at his flat a foreign woman named marie brock daughter of a hairdresser in the edgware road that you whom i loved were infatuated with her and-and that the liar i cried he told me many things which naturally excited me and which loving you as i did drove me to madness i refused at first to heed his words for somehow i mistrusted him i know not why but he offered to give me proof if i went that night or early in the morning to harrington gardens i would find her there and i might question her imagine my state of mind after what he had revealed to me i promised i would come there in secret and i went home my mind full of the lies and suspicion which he had i now see so cleverly suggested i didn't then know him to be an assassin but mistrusting him as i did i took for my own protection the old knife from the table in the drawing-room and concealed it inside my blouse at one o'clock next morning i crept out of the house noiselessly and walked to harrington gardens where i opened the outer door with the latch-key he had given me on ascending to his flat i heard voices i heard 
your voice dear therefore i descended into the dark and waited waited until you came down the stairs and left i saw you and i was mad mad then i went up and he admitted me the trap was already laid for me i crossed that threshold to my doom how i asked in my despair tell me all frida everything but at this point the peruvian sinos interrupted saying let me speak sir i tell you he cried quickly when i speak to the lady in pall mall i follow her she go that afternoon to harrington gardens but there see mrs petri whom she already know mrs petri find her excited and after questioning her induce her to tell her what i say that cain he kill my master then mrs petri say sir digby away in the country not return to london at paddington till one o'clock in the morning i listen to it all for sinos friend of the hall porter eh so young lady she says she come late in the night half past one or two o'clock and ask himself the truth but came in his room all the time of course well frida i asked quickly tell us what happened on that night when you entered yes cried kane sarcastically lie to them they'll believe you of course when i entered that man took me into the sitting-room and i sat down naturally i was very upset mrs petrie whom i had met before was there and after he had told me many things about your relations with the daughter of a hairdresser things which maddened me mrs petrie admitted her from the adjoining room i was mad with jealousy loving you as i did what happened between us i do not know i-i only fear that-that i took the knife from my breast and in a frenzy of madness killed her and she covered her face with her hands exactly cried kane i'm glad you have the moral courage to admit it but describe exactly what occurred as far as you know edward said pressing her i know that i was in a frenzy of passion and hysterical perhaps she said at last i recollect mrs petrie saying that i looked very unwell and fetching me some smelling salts from the next room i smelt them but the odour was faint and strange and a few moments later i well i knew no more and then afterwards i asked very gravely well later on i came to my senses she said in slow hard tones as though reflecting i found the girl whom i believed to be my rival in your affections lying on the ground in her breast was the knife ah shall i ever forget that moment when i realized what i had done cain was bending over me urging me to remain calm he told me that my rival was dead that i had killed her and that she would not further interfere with my future i-i saw him bend over the body withdraw the knife and wipe it upon his handkerchief while that woman his accomplice looked on then she gave me back the knife which instinctively i concealed and bade me go quickly and noiselessly back home promising secrecy and declaring that both he and mrs petrie would say nothing that my terrible secret was safe in their hands i believed them and i crept down the stairs out into the road and walked home to cromwell road i replaced the knife in the drawing-room and i believed them until until i knew that you guessed my secret then came that woman's betrayal and i knew that my doom was sealed she added her chin sinking upon her breast you see laughed kane defiantly that the girl admits her guilt she was jealous of marie brock and in a frenzy of passion struck her down mrs petrie was there and witnessed it she will describe it all to you no doubt when she recovers 
and what she will say is one big lie, declared Zenos, coming forward again. We all know Mrs. Petrie, he laughed in his high-pitched voice. She is your tool, she and Louis. But he become a snake charmer and give exhibitions at music halls. He bit by one snake at Darlington a month ago and die quick. Ah, yes, Zenos, no. Snake bite him because he brought snake and give him to that man to bite my poor master. Why will Mrs. Petrie tell lies, Zenos? demanded Edwards, who with Fremy was listening with the greatest interest and putting the threads of the tangled skein together in their proper sequence. Because I, Sinos, was at Harrington Gardens at night. I knew that the lady I had spoken to was going there, and I feared that something might happen, for Cain a desperate man when charged with the truth. "'You were there?' I gasped. "'What do you know?' "'Well, this,' said the narrow-eyed man who had haunted down the assassin of his master. "'I waited outside the house, waited some hours, when about eleven, Cain, he came down and unfastened the door, and leave it a little open.' I creep in, and soon after, you, Mr. Royal, you come in. I wait and see you go upstairs. Then I creep up and get out of the window on the landing and onto the roof, where I see inside Kane's room, see all that goes on. My friend the hall porter, he tell me this some time before, and I find the spot where, kneeling down, I see between the blinds. I see you talk with him, and I see you go. Then I see Miss Shan, she come in, and Mrs. Petrie and Kane talk to her. She very excited when she meet young lady, and Mrs. Petrie she give her bottle to smell. Then she faint off. The lady, daughter of great duke, she say something to Cain. She furious. She repeat what I say to her. Then Mrs. Petrie, who had given Miss Shan the smelling salts, find knife in her breast, and secretly puts it into Cain's hand. In a moment Cain strikes the young lady with it, ah, full in the chest, and she sinks on the floor, dead. It went into her heart. Cain and the woman Petrie talk in low whispers for few minutes, both very afraid. Then Miss Shan, she wakes, opens her eyes, and sees the young lady dead on the floor. She scream, but Mrs. Petrie puts her hand over her mouth. Cain takes out the knife, wipe it, and after telling her something, Miss Shan creep away. Oh, yes, Sinos, he see it all. Miss Shan quite innocent, she do nothing. Cain kill daughter of the great duke. He with his own hand, he kill her. Sina saw him with his own eyes. Ah! I cried, rushing towards the native and gripping both his brown hands. Thank you, Sinus, for those words. You have saved the woman I love, for you are an eyewitness to that man's crime, which with such subtle ingenuity he has endeavored to fasten upon her, and would have succeeded had it not been for your dogged perseverance and astuteness. He kill my master, replied the Peruvian simply. I watch him and convict him. He bad assassin, gentlemen's very bad man. End of chapter thirty one. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks dot com.